Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan, everyone calls me Brasky, and as always, I am joined by Caroline Cavanaugh, the Mighty Linguini, Eric Hawkins, Conan Hawk, and Sean Gallagher, Mr. Toolshed. What's up, fam? Stop. I want to go first today. Oh, dang oh, it. So, no. <laughs> too slow. <laughs> too slow. Too slow. And who's bringing up the rear? Who's bringing up the rear? That'd be me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Eric, you were trying to decide if you were going to talk at all. Yeah. We're yeah, the hair. He's the tortoise. for everybody. Yeah. Just, just hanging back. Just... Just, just getting a sense of Sean, how everyone Sean, else is doing. if you had just said hi instead of saying I want to be first. <laughs> you got to bring it up I, afterwards. I felt like a complete sentence was required there because I usually wait till last. So I wanted to let people know I wanted to go no. first this time. See, no, you're the YouTube commenter that's like first, but you were, you know, you've been in there for like 15 minutes. Obviously, <laughs> no, there's no, been there's... other commenters. Gabby does that on her stream. Whenever she goes live, people try to be first into the chat. It's really fun. Oh, God. I love it. Well, I'm first. Sean, you came up short this time around, but that's okay. That's okay because I have a feeling you're you're going to come up roses at some other point in this in this podcast. You're going to say something. You're going to do something that we're going to be like completely redeemed yourself. That's what's going to happen. I have faith in come, you. It's coming up tool shed now. Mm-hmm. Everything's coming up tool shed early. Exactly. That's the early front runner for the title of this podcast. Of, of this podcast. This bottle cast. This podcast. <laughs> Everything. Wow, we're inventing new things left right and center. Off to a great start. We're yep. 30 seconds in. Yep, so. it's a bottle cast. I'm going to take the audio of this cast, put it into a bottle, and send it off into the sea. It's a bottle cast. It's okay. We'll match the number of listeners we have anyway. <laughs> it's true. Someone on a deserted island is going to pull this bottle out and then pull out a, a an iTunes shuffle. That's what I'm going to load it onto, and then they're going to listen to it and be like, fantastic, I'm going to subscribe now. And it's like, great, we have tripled our subscribers, just like that. What are the percentages of, of listeners that know what an iTunes shuffle is? I'm going to say somewhere around um, 140% and negative 45%, with the average being two-fifths percent. What just happened? Did exactly. you just say a bunch of numbers expecting them to make sense? No, of course I did. Like seven times, too. Yeah, whenever I have to give a business presentation, I always just tell everyone, hey, listen, let me throw some numbers at you. Five, six, 22, 47. Exactly. <laughs> I really want to go to a brassy business presentation. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, the one thing, if we're talking about business, we need oh, to talk wait, about. Wait, wait, wait. What? No, what? no, no. no. Brasky's business presentations, he's not leading them. But he just tries to transition even though he's not in charge. It's true. (laughs) It's true. He just gets up and he's like, hey, can I have a Kleenex? Because you know what's better than a Kleenex? (laughs) Cleaning up this mess of a presentation. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even have a good, I didn't even have anywhere to go, but. Yeah. Brasky just like Brasky solved it though. No, see, here's the yeah. thing. Maybe that's what we'll do for the podcast. When you guys decide when you want to transition, just start a sentence, don't end it. I'll jump in and finish the transition. That's that's the challenge for today. Okay, let's and, see if and that our happens. challenge is definitely to leave him in some rough spots. Oh yeah, some, and like, that's all we have players. for today, everybody. Like, thanks for listening. But if there's one thing I know, it's that we can't end before we begin, and that's why we're gonna start the rest of this podcast up talking about, uh, as we said, the business side of things, and that is because we're gonna talk about the business side of magic for two seconds. Because everybody, guess what? You hear that? You hear that sound? That is the sound is that really wanted to say of a butt. collector's <laughs> booster. I have a collector's booster on me. 
Wait, um, they made Theros collectors boosters? They do, surprisingly enough. And occasionally, sometimes Target forgets to list them at their full price. That's how I got this one in my hands. It's because genius or grifter. Mm, genius or well, no, for for real, I bought it and I scanned it through, and they're like, "What is this?" And it did not scan. It did not scan through. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "It scanned through." It's like, "Well, what is it?" It's like it's Magic Gathering collector's booster. It's like, "Oh, okay." And they put in five dollars. I was like, "Okay, thank you." Uh, okay, see you later. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> no, what's the MSRP on a collector's booster? I have no idea. Twenty like thirty bucks. Like twenty-five to thirty bucks. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So, okay, just a really quick tangent. Yes. There, in Canada, I don't know if it ran in America, there was a commercial that used to run for Ikea. And basically, it was like a couple that would go through Ikea, and then they would go to pay, and the cost would be so much cheaper than they were expecting that the wife would run out to the car with the receipt. Like, they paid for all their items, and she would run out to the car, and she would yell at her husband, start the car. Like, as if, like, we got a really good, like, they, they did something wrong, or we, we paid too little. Quick, go, start the car, like, leave. And that was just, like, a commercial that ran. And one time, my mom was learning to drive stick, like a stick shift, and she stalled out in the intersection, like, of a busy intersection. And, and my dad was, like, kind of anxious and was like, start the car, like, hurry up, like, start the car. And she just kept laughing because all she could think about was the Ikea commercial. <laughs> and she couldn't start the car. <laughs> What a time to think about a commercial. Just like you're in the middle of rush hour traffic. Oh, you remember that commercial? Well, just because the phrase was like, start the car. And it, right. we used to reference it as a family like, all the time. Like, if I was with Brasky when he was buying that, I would have just yelled, start the car. It's true. I was now, saying it to I myself as I walked is, away. Now all I can think about is Inside Out. And they have that part where they, they send up the, the commercial up to up to the brain and now i got double mint gum like in my brain going on right now and it's it's awful love it <laughs> thank you for that you're welcome see my parents are the type they wouldn't be like start the car but they're the type to always just misremember certain pieces of pop culture the entire time so for instance like when i was little i listened to a lot of the smashing pumpkins they were one of my favorite bands when i was growing up listened to a lot of them but my mother never could really get that name correct. She would always think of some different name that was related to the Smashing Pumpkins. So at one point, I remember listening to, like, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by the Smashing Pumpkins, like one of the greatest albums ever. And as I was listening to it, she comes in and goes, oh, what was the name of that band that you like? What was it called? Breaking Gourds? And I'm like... <clears throat> Come on, that's a made-up story. No, that it is, is not. That is to, to Breaking Bad. <laughs> that is not. It is Breaking Gourds, similar to Smashing Pumpkins. She also thought that emo music was called Elmo music. The Breaking Wait. Benjamin cover band. Oh, so is it like, are you out and about? You're like, Mom, I want to get a Smashing Pumpkins album. She's like, oh, we have that at home. And she just goes home and hands you like a, a pumpkin from Halloween. Not even a pumpkin, it's just any broken. any gourd in general. She's like, we have zucchini. Like, here you go. Smash yeah, it on the smashing ground. smashing pumpkins at home. Do all you want to on that one. So here's the here's the further question that we need to ask. Are we going to talk about smashing pumpkins, or should I open this collector's booster? What are we doing with it? I think we're going to open it and talk about the awesome cards inside of it. Not the commons, obviously, but the other things. Well, do you know how the, they work? Mm, the cards themselves? No. I have no idea, but we're going to learn, right? I, I don't know. I only know the Aldrain ones. I don't know how the layout works. The well, I, I know it's, it's commons. It's different than a regular back. It's commons first, and then you get like two of the really cool lands, and then you get uh, the you get uh, a random card, and then a full art, and then you get all the good stuff. So they did change up like how the layout is, like all the showcases in the back, uh, all the commons are up front, and then the lanes are in the middle. Are they foil? 
every everything is foil except like one or two have the possibility to not be foil, but they're guaranteed to be rares, but like that kind of thing. So like starting off, it's all foil commons, so it is Moss Viper, which is a green death touch one one snake. Fun. And also the foiling is fabulous on this thing. Uh bunch of other commons. I'm not gonna go through them because it's like a plains and thirst for meaning and all of that good stuff. Uncommons are stinging lionfish, which is foil as well, and it looks very pretty. Sparkle, sparkle, everybody. Whoa. Ooh. It's a 2-1 where whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, you may tap or untap a target, non-land permanent, count me in, chain whim, arc, arc, arachnir is another uncommon. And here's my favorite part about it. This is probably the reason I bought the pack is them, them lands is spicy. Is that a foil or a regular? They are foil, full art lands. Damn, Daniel. Yeah. So Whoa! I, we got a forest. That's not a square word. Um, Wait, you got foil? Yeah, no, Daniel's yeah, fine. You get two foil basic lands. Wow. Yeah, forest and a plains. Daniel's fine to say on podcast. Yeah, damn Daniel. Yeah, Daniel's like a real name. Yeah, we, we oh. yeah. No, we oh, haven't I'm dipped not... into the Patreon for that for that word yet. We're fine. Don't worry about it. So we the... have a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Don't worry about it. It's a mythical Patreon. It's like a it's not an actual like thing that exists. It's just it's just me spending my own money on the podcast. Um the in-between card that can be anything from a rare to an uncommon is the Eidolon of Inspiration. Non-foil. Uh so Take I don't care. That about to it. Yeah, thanks a lot for that one. Full art is going to be a full art rare Nyx Lotus. Oh, the card's that's actually crazy. pretty sweet. Four mana. Nyx Lotus enters the battlefield. Tap tap it. Choose a color. Add an amount of mana of that color equal your to, to your devotion of that color. This is spicy. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be like a commander card for basically ever, right? Because yeah, me like like it's one of those mana rocks that just makes infinite mana, essentially, with probably a lot of different things. Our foil rare, or mythic rare, is going to be the Storm Herald, which is uh, a three mana, three two with haste. Plus, okay, so, uh, when Storm Herald enters the battlefield, return any number of aura cards from your graveyard to the battlefield attached to creatures you control. Exile those auras at the beginning of your next end step. If those auras would leave the battlefield, exile them instead of putting them anywhere else. Okay. That's, yeah. Words. It's a, it's a, it's a three mana, okay, and it doesn't do much. After that are two showcase cards. Wait, is that Theros card? Yeah. It is. Theros card. It has to do with auras. Yeah. So, first constellation card is... There's a lot of cards in this deck. Caliphy, Beloved of the Sea, one in double blue for a something... Well, that card's in, pretty. Something in three. Caliphy is power is equal to your devotion to blue, and creatures, your ench- creatures and enchantments you control have spells your opponents cast that target this permanent cost one more to cast. That's interesting. How nice. This is the constellation card, right? Like, That's the first one. You get one of two. So that's the first one. The next one is foil. So our foil constellation is, oh baby, our foil constellation is Thassa Deep Dwelling, the mythic rare Thassa constellation. That is a foil. five dollar pack you got right there. Nice. This is that is spicy. Great. 
Thassa. I think that might have actually been worth the real cost. Of yeah, the that actually <laughs> might be like a twenty-five dollar car. That is a five dollar pack. I was like, I think the Thassa might be worth more than five dollars. And I was like, oh, he bought it for five dollars. <laughs> yeah, a Constellation foil Thassa deep dwelling. Can is I see what we it? Have. I know the podcast can't, but I mm-hmm. want to see it. There it is. Oh damn, she pretty. Yeah, and sparkly too, all at the same time. Uh, very awesome. I don't know anything about the lore. Does that mean that the, the gods are dead, or do they go back into the, the sky when it's night? Like, how does that work? I, I don't know. I'm not it, a lore person. It could also be that the, the gods, since they're in the sky, they, they, like, show you the way, like, as constellations, like, actually do. Like, constellations are supposed to, like, show you, like, the path to where you should go, right? That's kind yeah, of, like, like, the we general thing. guide ourselves by the stars, but instead we have Google Maps. Yeah, exactly. And we are going to guide ourselves to... A conversation about our week in magic. That's what we're going to guide ourselves to. That's how it goes. And that's what I want to know. So besides me opening a Thassa deep-dwelling mythic rare, how has everyone else's week in magic been so far? You know, let's start with Eric Conanhawk. Let's talk to you. Yeah, what do you want to know? Oh, the me- week in magic. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, um. you, no, I'm, I mean, tell me about, you know, how things are going. Just you. How's life? I mean, yeah. basketball is pretty sweet. Um, I do that very early in the morning. It's like pretty neat. Uh, I have two cats that kind of run around. It's true. Uh, my stream kind of gets to see them sometimes. They yeah. make me pet them. What's your favorite food? That's what I want to know. Uh, Chipotle, basically. Mm, Any, that's terrible. Like, I, mean, I don't. I don't care for that answer. How's your week in magic so far? Um, my week in magic, to be honest, has been a little uninspired. Um, just because like there's like nothing really happening for me right now. You know what I mean? Like. I'm like one of those people that if you just like wave a carrot in front of me, I'll run until I basically die. Um, and they, there's like no carrot. So I'm just standing and not going anywhere. So like, like the, the you know, like the PT in Japan and in Europe kind of has us like kind of like this wait and see moment with Pioneer. That's like the next tournament I'll be playing. But like, it's like if I get a lot of reps in now with a deck that isn't relevant in a week from now, then what did I do with last week, right? So that's is that where I'm at. is that why there's no carrot for you? Because there's no competitive event around you, like within the like in your vicinity of something like that, or is it just because like like the format's not interesting to you right now? Is there something else going on behind it? No, it's it's basically just that. Like I play like I'm hyper competitive, right? So like I have a hard time playing casually. So then that's like where I'm at. Is like I want something to drive me to play and there's no ptqs where like around me there's no um like i'm already qualified for the next mythic like points challenge so i don't have to make sure that i'm in the top x mythic uh top 1200 mythic um i don't have to you know i don't like i don't have to do any of that stuff so it's just it's just like i'm sitting and waiting until my like i'm going to grand prix phoenix which is like essentially next week but we don't have all the information, so I don't really, I don't want to like lock in a deck before I have, I know the format essentially. Perhaps that's your challenge. Your challenge is to find some way for you to be intrigued, interested, do something in the world of magic that's going to make you pique your interest and go, you know what, I'm going to do this instead. I mean, maybe. Like, like right now, I'm, I'm like, it's, it's only going to be like a three day thing, right? Because on Friday, um, you know, things like things will start happening. And that's like when I get to like, you know, bunker, bunker, like get in my bunker and just like study everything about Pioneer and like learn everything about Pioneer and like figure out what the decks are doing and all that stuff. And and then um, by Monday, I will have to know 
you know, I'll have to like memorize all of the deck lists that did well and all that stuff. So then, and then I'll know what to test and maybe like even try to metagame. I love the idea of you having a bunker, but that bunker is only magic related. Like the end, like, like the big, the bomb's going to drop and everyone's like, where do we go? And Kronok's like, listen, don't worry. I have a bunker. And we all run down into the bunker. It's like, great. Where's the food? Where's the water? He goes, nope, no food, no water. Just booster boxes. That's all I've got. It's just five rows. <laughs> just just commons and uncommons from well, unplayable magic sets of years long gone. I, I can tell you one thing. My bunker is, uh, it is probably bomb proof because it's like in the basement uh, of this house. Um, but it's it uh, basically has my computer and Mountain Dew. That's like the, the two things that it has. So... Um, if you can live off of Mountain Dew and magic, then then it, it'd probably be fine. Okay, the title of your new biography is Mountain Dew and Magic, the story of Conan Hawk. I want to like know it. how the story of Mr. Toolshit has been over the past week. Mr. Toolshit, how you doing? Lots of ups and downs. Uh, on Saturday, I had a lot of good time testing with some friends. Hawk came over and jammed, jammed games with us, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Sunday did not go as well, but um, we rebounded and had all-you-can-eat sushi right after, and I love sushi. We had tried this new place called Takara Sushi. That was really good, and then we played D&D right after, so it was a good weekend, but I haven't really played too much Magic this week with the release of a different card game that I've been spending a lot of time playing, so um, Magic-wise, kind of medium, but um, you know, personality or personal-wise, it was a pretty good week overall. Nice. How about... Uh... Caroline Kavanaugh, the mighty Linguini. How has your week in Magic been? Oh, um, I don't know. I didn't really do much this week. No, I, just chilled uh, out. Just chilled out. Yeah, just just chilled a little bit. Um, got on a plane on Friday. Wasn't really sure, you know, where where should I go? Uh, so I ended up in New Jersey. You got on to... a plane and ended up in New. No one gets in a plane <laughs> and unknowingly gets to New Jersey. You have to knowingly go to New Jersey. Okay, regretfully too by the way it's just regretful <laughs> i like new jersey i've been there a couple times my boyfriend's family uh like grandparents live there and i think it's great i don't understand why everyone hates no i have family that live in new jersey too and they really the people of new jersey I don't like it very much no the people of new jersey are absolutely wonderful it's a wonderful state i never knowingly or unknowingly go to new jersey that's all i'm saying <laughs> okay. well i did go to Magic Fest New Jersey, uh, aka Grand Prix New Jersey, as I will always call it. Um, and it was a sealed uh, release weekend for Theros, uh, which is pretty cool. I, I like release weekend events. Um, there's usually a lot more excitement. Um, the, the set obviously doesn't feel very uh, stale. Um, there's still things to be discovered. Uh, sealed in particular still feels new-ish. Um, especially if all you really did was pre-releases because pre-releases are pretty different than I think a day one of a Grand Prix. Um, I did have two buys, so that was sweet. I They do something a little different now at Grand Prix for sealed. Um, you no longer have rolling registration. And by that, I mean, you can't just show up at any point between nine and, and 1030 and go to this like build station and, and build your deck. You actually have a hard build time of 1030. Um, and what that means actually is that anyone who has one buy has to build at 9 a.m. They can't wait until the like the two buys people build because by then round one, round two would have already started in theory, which it didn't. But <laughs> um, and so that was kind of interesting. This is the second time, the second Grand Prix I've been at where that's the case. The first time I knew it was the case, so that's good. Um, so I showed up at 10:30. I built my deck. Um, 
I thought I liked a lot of my cards. I had a ton of white cards. In fact, I was very close to a mono white deck and sealed, which is pretty interesting. I had like 17 playable white cards that were, I was not like scraping their barrel. Like I was happy to play all, all of them in my opinion. And then I had two kind of options. I had medium bomb red pile of like four to five cards. Some of them were rares and they were just like all these like powerful, like Hactos and, or sorry, Hactobat, sorry, not Hactos. When you say like, when you say medium rare, does that mean you had a rare, but the rest of the cards (laughs) were kind of iffy or were you like, were you actually cooking the cards going "Mm, medium rare? That's what I want. (laughs) No, I mean like I had things like Hactobat and I had the like three, four uh, Titan thing that like attacks or is targeted. You can do some cool things like lightning bolt your opponent and or exile cards from your top of your deck and play them. So like cards, rares that are cool that are just like, you will play them if you can, but they're not, I don't believe that they're huge bombs that will affect the board all the time. Hactobat might actually be whatever that is. Is that card actually called that? Am I even saying it right? The like red, red, white, white. Acrobat, I think. Or Acrobat. There we go. I knew I was saying it wrong. No, but I couldn't. A Hactos? No, that's what I said the first. Um, so I had like all these like red cards, but the problem was they were very four drop heavy, and my white my white deck was already kind of four drop heavy. Uh, so I ended up building this green white deck, which was extremely synergistic. It played uh, Siona, which is the three drop uh, green white card that cares about auras and actually helps to go get you an aura. Uh, and I had a ton of auras. Um, I also had the the Pegasus. Um, whenever you cast an enchantment, make another Pegasus. Uh, that was what my whole deck was built around. So the green white deck was extremely synergistic, but um, I felt like it couldn't really win installed boards because people would just kill the Pegasus right away. So it wasn't that, that card was like cool, but wait, pretty, is it actually? It's Hactos. That's what that's what I said. Isn't it actually called Hactos? Yeah, Hactos, the unscarred. I think. So I was right the first time. Well, I think Hacrobat or some sort of Hacrobat. Hacrobat was from. That's like a card from. That's a card from like Ravnica. Yeah, it's like Ravnica Allegiance is what that was from. Yeah, it had had spectacle on it. Yeah, it's a red black. I just got like a bunch of cards mixed up. I guess. Anyway, well, Hactos is what I was talking about this time. Um, So I ended up building the green white version, and I spoke to some friends. And we like put together what the green or what the white red version would look like. And we made some changes to the green white version a little bit. So I was like, maybe my breast in my pool. I was like, I don't know. I could pull this out. I could not. I could see it going either way. Um, and then I started early with, I think like some wins and some losses or like one, one win and one loss. So it was like a medium start. Uh, and then from there, I went to win all the way to six and one. Um, which once you get to six wins, I always tend to feel a lot better about my day, which is not great, but generally how it works out. Uh, and then I lost and I went to six and two. Uh, and so then in the last round I was playing for either a really happy seven and two or a really sad six and three. And so I did win and I was seven and two. And at this point I'm calling it my bread and butter because I've seven to a lot of day ones in the last little while, even though last week, I think I was quoted at saying that not everyone can seven, like everyone wants seven and two and not everyone does, but I do. So I'm great. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, yeah, so I did that. And then in day two, which is often the case for me, um, the wheels fell off. That's a phrase I use a lot. And the drafts went pretty poorly. Um, just felt I couldn't, really get a good grasp on the draft. And I was often in the, 
like I was getting all the cards in my color, but I was often in the color that was the worst of the table by like a lot. Um, and I actually didn't get to finish the tournament, unfortunately. And one of the reasons that was, was the tournament in general ran quite late on both days. And because the venue that was actually booked was a little bit smaller than I think the cap allowed for. I don't think I've mentioned this, but the, the Grand Prix capped at 1,400 players, which is unheard of <laughs> in the last year. Um, so congratulations on Grand Prix New Jersey for that, at least. But unfortunately, the venue was not able to accommodate that. And there are actually some issues that I don't know if you follow on Twitter, um, but one of the kind of in most interesting issues were you could not register for a side event on Saturday unless you had the Fanatic package. And even if you had the Fanatic package, you had to line up in a very long line and they were doing cutoffs. So they would say, okay, you can no longer line up, the event has filled. And you cannot come back for at least X number of times. Because they actually just couldn't find space in the venue to accommodate all the side events they wanted to run on the Saturday. On the Friday and the Sunday, things were much better uh, for the side event people. For the main event people, both days were pretty affected. Um, day one didn't finish until about 9.30 on Saturday, which is kind of late. Um, to give kind of perspective, Grand Prix Las Vegas, the modern one, had a three and a half hour time extent, or time delay a couple of years ago, and that tournament finished at 10.30. So just to kind of give some like perspective of kind of a three and a half hour delay and then round nine finishes at 10.30 and then a regular Grand Prix round nine finishes at 9.30. At, at that Grand Prix, we also, with because of the time delay, we got uh, free comped Grand Prix, so it's... Yeah, I think where it's not there, there are some people I spoke to that would like a refund for this Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. I don't, that is not how I feel. I feel that I participated in Grand Prix and yes, it was tight. Yes, it was hot. Yes, it was smelly. I just think that that's, that's what's going to happen and that's fine. I, I've i written down here what I would like, which I'll talk about in a second, um, but it's slightly different the key, than, than a refund. The key that I would like to know is that when they show up and say, listen, we don't have the space for this, we don't know where to put you, since you are like the queen of the gathering of Magic the Gathering, I figured you would just know somebody in New Jersey. It's like, listen, I know a place where we can stick like 600 of us. All right. It's it's my um, it's my buddy's other friends who subscribes on Twitch's grandparents who have six hundred people. Just, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, I think so so the thing to, to realize is like it wasn't like as an individual, especially playing the main event, it wasn't actually obvious that things were going badly. It wasn't until you started hearing stories from people that weren't playing the main event, um, you started to realize like, hey, the Grand Prix is like in three spaces over the hall and they're it's not logical like i actually in round my round one and round three of the grand prix i panicked because i could not find my table i was like i it started on say the far right um all the the table 800s were up there and then i found the 400s and the 300s and the 200s but i could not find the 100s and the zeros of the tables i could not find the main event stage and i was like really actually starting to like panic and then i ran into a friend who also couldn't find the tables. And once I run into a friend who's in the same situation as me, I tend to like relax a lot and think, okay, well, the judge can't disqualify both of us. Like it's very clear that I'm not in the wrong here, that these are just hard to find. And, and together we did find them. Um, there were vendors kind of in between all these sections and it was just, it was just all of these extra things. Like it wasn't just that the Grand Prix was capped. It wasn't just that the 
like P2Q on a Saturday was extremely large. It was 180 people when it's usually 40. Um, there was a command zone to think about. It was the vendors in the middle of the hall. The bathrooms were extremely well or extremely poorly kept. And they were just, they weren't big enough. There were lineups for the men's bathroom, which has not happened at a Grand Prix forever. They did not do gender, gender neutral bathrooms as they do sometimes. So the reason I'm listing these is because it's not just one thing. Like, it's not just a delay in the tournament by three and a half hours, you know, that which is like an obvious refund. It was just an experience that you joined together with the heat and the lack of airflow. <laughs> um, it just joined into this experience that just wasn't pleasant. And I don't know where that stands other than I believe, which is what I want, a statement from CFB that just says, hey, yes, we recognize this happened. Here are our goals to improve Grand Prix going forward. Should they continue to populate again and get back up to the cap these are our plans for the next x number of grand prix and they should list them be like you know this is our contingency plan for detroit and, and phoenix and whatever it is and i think that they should just address that it happened i don't really think monetary um reimbursement is necessary i just think it's something they need to address and for some reason that they haven't well i think it, it at the very least it points to that uh, a lot of these uh, gatherings uh, that we shall call them have kind of been hard to pin in terms of how the attendance is going to go. And so you kind of be like, okay, well, the max capacity is going to be 1,400. Well, I don't think we're going to hit 1,400. Well, uh, you know, these past ones go, and then you hit 1,400, you go, oh, okay, we hit 1,400. Now we have to really adjust to see how this is going to go. So to well actually you, because, you know, I have glasses. Um, <laughs> the Grand Prix New Jersey last year, the same time, this same style, like a limited, I believe it was limited, don't quote me on that one. But it was a, it was a fourteen hundred cap Grand Prix. It capped last year in the same venue with the same complaints, and it didn't have the command zone. So the command zone is I, I don't know. You haven't been to a Grand Prix at Rescue, but it's but this new commander has area been, of like yeah, it's it's been an yeah. area that used to just be the side thing that now is like well, now one it's of the a biggest parts. Space. Yeah, so they can't even take for the tables and start playing events in there mm -hmm. because you pay to go into the roped off space. So they, they can't just say, oh, actually, the command zone is now half the size today. They had to keep it at exactly what they had charged for. Um, so the command zone was a big factor. Vendors are a factor. I should just clarify because I went on a bit of a tangent. I didn't finish playing the Grand Prix because it finished so late on Sunday that in round 15, I was very close to, like, maybe pulling out a victory. And my people that I was flying with were standing behind me or in front of me. And I looked up and I was like, oh, gosh, we have to go to our flight. And so I just conceded my match and I flipped over a car that I believe was super relevant. And I was like, no, I was going to win. Damn it. And so we ran outside and we're in a rush for getting our Uber. And then our Uber just doesn't show up for 15 minutes. It's just lost in the parking lot. I am like really like so stressed. And the other people I'm with are just they don't care. They're like, whatever, we'll just miss our flight. It's not a big deal. And so we get to the airport. I give them all my stuff. They take all my th stuff through security because they have pre-check. And I just go through security. I like cut in front of everybody. <laughs> I'm like, flight, catch, flight, catch. And I just have nothing with me except my phone and my passport. And I get through security. I run to the gate and our plane was delayed by 15 minutes. So we made it exactly. Wow. <laughs> it was crazy. It was just, I've never missed a flight and I didn't want to start <clears throat> on Sunday. So it, It's just funny that like some Magic player, there's like, like you were saying, you were worried about your flight. I personally would just like go crazy if I like, there's even a chance of me missing my flight. And then I've had other people are just like, it's just a flight. Like they have one leaving every hour. I'm just like, 
What are you talking about? I can't afford to buy a new flight. Like, okay, so, that, so that's the thing. I actually don't know what happens. They are My no. friends are claiming that if you show up to the airport and it's within a reasonable time and like say like you really got to the gate and they just close the doors, it is likely they will just rebook you. Oh, really? Okay. If you show up to the airport like four hours later and they're like, well, no, like you missed it. So <laughs> it, it, it depends. I believe in sure. our situation, if we had ran through the terminal, got to the gate and they had closed the doors, they would have said, okay, let's get you on the one tomorrow morning or whatever. Sure, um, sure, sure. I will say I was pacing circles outside the convention center. I must have looked ridiculous if anyone saw me. I was just, I just don't handle this kind of stress very well. So, um, but yeah, overall, so in summary of my very short story, just kidding. Uh, I love the Grand Prix. I had a great time. Um, and I would like to see some improvement put forth on what on what they'll do should this arise again. That, that's all I really want. I, I just, I, I, my favorite part of it is like, oh, I guess I looked ridiculous. You are wearing a galaxy hoodie with the hood fully like scrunched and pulled down with a winter cap and headphones uh, on. Uh, it's called a toque. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the clarification. And a toque. And you were just being like, I bet I looked ridiculous. I'm like, mm, you look, you look amazing is what you look. Hurtful. <laughs> it's not hurtful. I literally think you look amazing. I wish I could find a galaxy hoodie like that. If you could please. Amazon, 20 bucks. I'll send you the link. <laughs> please do. All right. Because literally, uh, I wish I could wear that. Uh, if you can point me the way to it, I will actually wear it to work and follow up with you about what happened. <laughs> I need a link. I need a link. Matching, matching hoodies for the podcast. Let's Someone go. give me a link. That's what I need. That's what I need. How's the recording? Here we go. <laughs> Well, previous orders keep going oh no, that's worry. fine no you keep you keep just whispering under your breath your amazon account and your password and we will make sure that we can hear it and it's going to be totally Brasky's fine. beautiful fabulous all lowercase all uppercase one word with two underscores that's what that's you'll have to guess be. i we i will guess but you know what you know what i don't have to guess about i do not have to guess about the format of some upcoming competitive magic things that are going on around here because it's going to be Pioneer. Pioneer is kind of going to be the uh, toast of the town coming up fairly soon. And it's going to be, no, we have a lot of different things. And Caroline, I know I just had you talk uh, in length about all the stuff you just did uh, this past weekend. But you have the kind of your finger on the button about what's coming up here in the Pioneer world. Can you give us the quick rundown of what we can expect in terms of PTs or you know GPs or SCGs or any number of consonants can put together into some form of competitive event? What's going on in the Pioneer world? Uh, so the reason I think this is an important thing for us to talk about is this weekend is the first of, or the two of the three players tours. Uh, so the European and uh, the Asia players tour will take place um, this weekend uh, in Brussels and Nagoya. Uh, Brussels will start on Friday, but Nagoya is actually starting on Saturday, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's going to be kind of interesting. And then there'll also be, so with those two players tours, there's also two Grand Prix that are going to be uh, joining those together. Um, so they'll both start on Saturday. And then all of that going on in you know the two other regions. And then here in North America, there's also Team SCG um, which has Pioneer in its legacy seat instead of legacy. Uh, so that being said, that's you know five different Pioneer events from three different regions of the world, and I think that's going to give an insane amount of data. Um, <laughs> I have a very positive outlook on, on this data, and reading the show notes of my co 
podcasters, I believe other people have a negative view on <laughs> on their status in Pioneer. But I won't give any spoilers or read the words that Eric wrote. Cause mm, that's true. You I know what? Leaped. <laughs> I totally agree. So maybe I'll just pick someone at random. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, six. Conan Hawk, how do you feel about these Pioneer <laughs> developments? Uh, unfortunately, I can't read my show notes because I I don't want to get O-code. It's nine ten. Uh, it's nine ten though. It's, yeah, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> and here's the thing: the mighty Linguini hasn't sweared yet. All right, so we still get at least one past us. So Four. you go ahead and say it, and trust me, I will find some sort of tone or sound well, or. I also don't want to break my unblemished record. That's the other thing, too, is Sean has sworn, almost, oh, almost sworn. I, almost. Yeah, I have not uh, yet. It was very close. All right, listen, if you're going to so let... Like right if, now, it's it's just only one. Hey, if so. you're, you're going to let pride get in the way of good entertainment, oh, yeah. that's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, basically, like, I like you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for, for the events that are coming up. I'm, I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to study them. But I mean, like, the the format, like, right now hasn't really excited me quite yet and um it like i think a lot of that has to do with how this is being set up i think if like all of the things were happening at the same time like the, so like the way that they split the pts right they split the pt so that it's not just one central place it's three different places and when they did that i think they didn't want to like overload right they didn't want to go you know the Here's your European GP, your your Asian GP, and or sorry PT, your European PT, your Asian GP or PT, and your North American PT, right? All at the same time, so they wanted to kind of like stagger at least one of them, and that like that's obviously why they did this. And what it ended up doing for myself is because I'm playing in the second wave, I just basically get tuned out for for one one you know for like a week or two while everybody else is kind of like going at it. You know what I mean? So like, had this been a GP where I wouldn't have an information overload like the, the week before, then I would be very excited right now. But right now I'm just like, not at all, I guess. I'm like excited to study, but I'm not excited to like play or get any testing in. You might be the only person I've ever known that said they were excited to study anything. Oh, I love to study. Like that, that's like one of the things that I find I don't I don't I guess I don't find it interesting, but I I I, I understand that people don't have as much time as I do, and because I'm not crazy, but like I will legitimately spend or like when I was studying for like the SCG and I was like trying to get onto the the players or the uh the um what do they call that the players championship, um so like there was a Euros trying to get that and then there was like the trying to get onto the PT and stuff like that I would like legitimately watch like four or five hours of like magic video every single day. Um, I would like read, you know, I would like memorize deck lists, um, on like MTG goldfish or just like results. I would make sure that I knew like every single card and of every single deck list so that when somebody played something against me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like miss on it. I like, if people were posting deck lists, I was like studying those to make sure like, you know, there was like maybe some curveballs thrown in there. So like, I just like knew everything And what I've come to kind of noticed is like, I was like overstudying a little bit, but I did learn a lot about like. Um, especially from watching the videos of like the difference between like technical play and the difference between like, I guess like intuitive play and um, just kind of like, like certain things that people do to, to, you know, get out of the, the normal and like gain an advantage a little bit um, from that. So it was like pretty interesting. I think that that might be a topic for another cast. I'm going to write this one down. The difference between technical and intuitive play 
and how to study like Conan Hawk, which is which is you know I I'm actually thoroughly interested in this. It's like if I ever want to do like join a competitive event in a spike way where it's like I'm going to jump into this thing like I want to win it and I have two to however one to two weeks to really really know what's going on I think that might be a topic for a later podcast is how to prepare for an event in that way but specifically how to go from technical to intuitive play because I know myself I'm very much an intuitive person that's not to say I've never studied how to win at card games or studied the basics of card games the difference between like tempo and, and talk about card advantage and talk about all that kind of stuff but I'm very much an intuitive player. I kind of go by feel. I look at the general landscape of what's going on. But I might not take that amount of time to be the intuitive player on it. So that might be something we have to talk about a little bit uh, in the weeks coming. Might be something we kind of put in our back pocket for another cast. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I definitely think there's, like, a lot of, like, interesting stuff with that for sure. And, like, I I'm, I don't know. I would, I'd be excited to talk about stuff like that for sure. It's true. It's very true. Um, so let's talk now uh, to the one person who's probably the least invested in Pioneer, who never actually plays it or does anything involving that format. And that would, of course, be Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. With all of the stuff going on in the Pioneer world, uh, what's your feelings on it? What are you going to do? What you up to? Is there any a deck that you're looking forward to? Is it blue-white? Why not? Why yes? Who knows? Okay, so thank, that was a pretty great transition. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, obviously throughout Pioneer, we've talked about it multiple times. I'm, you know, Blue White Mage, so been playing Blue White for a long time. Uh, with this being like one of the first major like Pioneer weekends for Magic, um, this will be the weekend where like Blue White will either become like an actual force of the meta or like probably get pushed aside by, you know, Thoughtseize decks or these combo decks that are killing you really quickly or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, so I got to kind of wait and see how this weekend goes. If possible, I want to try to keep playing blue white, but if not, I'm really liking the Thassa's Oracle, like inverter of truth deck or like some other deck with Thoughtseize Cause that's a really powerful magic card. Um, or um, spoiler Caroline had a pretty nice deck that I really liked. I might play something like that. Um, but I kind of have to kind of wait and see how this weekend goes to make it any actual determinations on the format. Because I do have a tournament for Pioneer coming up in a couple weeks that I need to, you know, get ready for. It's like another one of those OCM tournaments that's going to be single player Pioneer. So I want to be ready for that. Are we not talking about Caroline's deck because it's super secret and we don't want anyone to know? I, I, I mean, I I don't know if she, I don't, I don't want to just like tell people what it is without asking her. So I'm just like, I'm saying she has a deck. I'm not going to tell people what it is. No, we're not talking about it because you skipped me on my blurb. I did the intro of this section, but I didn't get to do my blurb. No, that's fine. That's fine. And maybe we will skip you. Who knows? Because we, we don't want you to give up the secrets of it's the deck. It's not a secret. It has a sloth in it. Obviously, I'm going to... Wait, wait, wait. You, you've already given up the secrets of this deck? Yes, I told everybody. It had it got, pol- it got published. <laughs> well, well then why are we talking about listeners. it? Let's just skip over it and move to the next topic. <laughs> <This> segment. <laughs> We're skipping this segment. We th- okay, everybody. Here's Caroline's super secret, not secret, been published deck. No, <laughs> just kidding. No, my, my blurb was just talking about... Um, I'm really excited for these this weekend, and I've been playing a deck that I really like, but I only found it last night, so I won't be 
I won't be devastated if it's not a real deck after this weekend. I believe what's happening right now is everything goes in Pioneer because there hasn't really been any major really decisions and tournaments to to point people in the right direction. And I love everything goes. I'm playing a blue-green Uro deck that's mostly ramping. Uh, so I do have Ulamog, I do have Emrakul, I do have Ugin in my deck. I only have a copy of each of them, but I'm playing a Boreal Grazer, my favorite card in the world. And I'm just like down. I'm just, I like, <laughs> at lunchtime today, I played some magic. Before this podcast, I was playing Moto. I'm kind of annoyed that we're still podcasting, so I cannot be playing Moto right now. <laughs> like, I'm just really excited to play this deck, which is why I said I'm very different than Eric. Eric's all like, I'll just wait until everything's figured out. Like, life is sad. He's like the Eeyore of our podcast. <laughs> and I'm, I like I'm to over think here. I'm the like, life of the podcast. It's true. <laughs> Am I? I guess I'm Tigger. I'm definitely Tigger. It depends. I'm Does just scared of everything. Clear, okay. Was, well, it, yeah. No. I think. Mm, I think. I think. I think Mr. Toolshed is poo. Uh, yeah, I, I have to be at that point. I think Conan. Hawk, Are you Piglet or Rabbit? No. I, I think Conan Hawk is actually Piglet. I think he's actually. No, Piglet. he's Eeyore. No, we all get to be Eeyore at different points. Okay, that's the thing. <laughs> Eric's definitely. Well, you're Eeyore. Tigger. You're Tigger, and I'm the Rabbit. Okay, that's what that is. <laughs> Eric is a piglet. Oh, I, I feel like Brass yeah. is like Christopher Allen or whatever the child. Christopher Robin. 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 Yeah. And right. of all of us, Christopher Allen. And of all of us, <gasps> oh I gosh, think Dusky. I'm. Yeah, you're definitely Christopher Christopher Robin. No, I mean, no, you are. But I'm like, the... you go away. But we're all still. We're still. <gasps> you're definitely Christopher. But Robin. I'm the only one who could really do a Winnie the Pooh voice, though. That's the thing. But you're definitely Christopher Robin. <laughs> I want to hear Caroline's Tigger then. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you what it was. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually a pretty good Tigger. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, I did such a good job. The way you do a Tigger, the way you do a Tigger is that you stick you stick your tongue out in the absolute front part of your mouth and then try to talk. That's how you do it. Uh, no. Okay. Moving on. I anyway. thought this is about magic, not voice acting. Yeah. It's true. Well, we could do that if we wanted to do like some Winnie the Pooh stuff. But I did play in Pioneer Prelim last night, and the deck felt just bananas. I just had so much fun. I was just beating a lot of aggro decks, a lot of mid range decks, uh, and dodged all the combo decks. So that's sweet. Uh, and then, yeah, I am still playing today and still like it. So you can find my list at twitch.tv. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't know. It's on Magic GG somewhere, I'm sure. Oh, Balder. What else are we doing talk about for today? Like, I'm really happy that we're all winning the Pooh oh, characters. Oh, Balder. Whatever, whatever else shall we talk about? Any other I magic? Really need to get an image. Magic the oh, gathering. Eric. Eric, Eric, Eric. Can you use your, your newfound Photoshop skills and Photoshop us all as, as Winnie the Pooh characters? That's please? what we should do. And Eric, yes, please? you you really are Eeyore. Yeah, uh, Probably. I don't know. <laughs> See, look how or he is. <laughs> Maybe I, tomorrow. <laughs> I had a great time at my PTQ. Oh my god, I love it so much. I'm in I mean, love. <laughs> I guess I could probably do the, the you know, the gimping for our pictures. That'd be fine, I guess. I really want you to like at some point if you if you go on and like win a mythic championship, just be like, How was it? It was great. My deck went really well and I won it. That's actually happened before. Um 
It wasn't that someone won. It was that Jacob lost in the finals of a PT and was interviewed. And he was just like, the responses he gave were not exactly what the interviewer was expecting. Because in their mind, like coming second was great. But in his mind, coming second was not first. And he had just lost. So he was, he gave some responses that people complained about on the Twitters back in the day. Just that people weren't accepting their finishes with happiness well you know but in his defense like he had just lost like yeah that's like that that's like the weird thing right is like you don't go to like the loser of like the super bowl and be like how do you feel and you're like we lost the super bowl how do you think we feel (laughs) lost the biggest tournament of the year we've been practicing for it all year (laughs) yeah it's like it's like you ask if you ask that guy you know in two in two weeks from then you know hey or like you know like a month from then or whatever and be like even years you, you got like yeah, it's like if you go up to Jacob now and be like, hey, how do you, you know, what you got second in, you know, PT or whatever, or PT, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah that was sweet, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so, anyway. sometimes that's kind of the thing, right? Sometimes we we plan, we prep, and sometimes we come up short. Uh, sometimes we we have that happy 7-2 or that sad 7-2. Uh, that's that's a completely logical and, and it's actually a big part of the game. You know, we can prepare all we want for anything in life and sometimes we can just say you know what i i didn't i didn't get to where i wanted to go or even though i prepped all of this sometimes things just don't go the way we plan and that's kind of what we wanted to touch on in the team topic this week was the fact of you know we, we've talked a lot in this podcast in the guess what 16 episodes that we have now done of this podcast about the prep that we've done or the results that we've got and all of that kind of stuff but we haven't really touched on the times that we have put in the prep and put in the work and maybe just come up short a little bit sometimes and uh it's something we wanted to talk about this week and someone that we want to take this discussion because they really talked about uh, the team dynamic and the prep of that, and now they've done their own individual event, and that is Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher, who uh, was prepping and getting ready for their WMPQ and is going to kind of talk about the results and what happened. And the the bigger part I would love to know, Sean, is um, the why. Is it is is you know, why did this happen? Was it because you didn't prep so well? Or was it because of things outside of your control? Because that's how some of these events go. So talk a little bit about your prep for the WMPQ, how things went, and your your takeaway from it. So, um, you know, we've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and um, I had played in a WMPQ. I had to qualify for it. I qualified for it with Devoted Druid. Um, before the banning, it had four copies of Oko in it. And then after the banning, I was obviously not able to play them. So we had to make some decisions with the deck. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? Should I just abandon ship? That kind of thing. Um, with all the reps I had with Druid, I decided to stick it out and try to finagle a, a deck that functioned you know just as good and you know we had spent a lot of time testing on moto talking hawk and i and another teammate ben and i had been talking day after day about what card choices we would make and stuff like that we ended up with a list that i felt pretty comfortable with the friday before the tournament so we have one last testing day on saturday and we start testing at like noon or one in the afternoon a lot of people come over. We have Hawk and another player who qualified and my friend Tyler. We were testing all day, you know, playing different decks and 
we had decided that we needed to adjust the sideboard a little bit. So Hawk had decided that we needed to play uh, Core Firewalker, which is a white-white 2-2, which has protection from red. And whenever your opponent plays a red, whenever anyone plays a red spell, you gain a life. And this card was to help shore up one of the deck's worst matchups in Mono Red Prowess and Burn. So we had done all this, and we had, we had felt like we had made the deck. We had found a way to beat the mono red matchup, and we had found a way to make all of our other matchups bad or better. We had played like a second walking ballista, and going into Sunday, honestly, I felt probably the most prepared I've ever felt in my entire life for a Magic tournament. I'd spent hours of testing and you know lots of matches on Moto, and we knew going in that our two worst matchups were going to be Infect and Mono Red. But I knew the tournament because you had to qualify for it, so I knew that. One person in the tournament was probably going to be playing Infect, and there's probably going to be three copies of Mono Red Prowess in the tournament. So I get there Sunday, and of course, round one, I have to play against Infect, um, which is one of the worst matches for the deck. Um, I get in game one, and then game two and three, it kind of falls apart, whatever. And then, you know, I'm down on myself, and you know, playing against, I get paired against Mono Red in round two, and just, um, you know, don't do, like, I don't do my thing, and he beats me pretty easily. Um, I don't think that it was a lack of testing that led to this. I think that it was a combination of maybe not not switching decks probably was a big part of the issue. Uh, maybe when I, after Oko had been banned, I felt like I didn't have a lot of time to pick a new deck and learn it. And maybe I should have just picked a new deck. So that was hard for me to come to terms with. And then the other part was, you know, just sometimes, I mean, you like, you, you draw fine, but your opponent just draws maybe a little better, or you just draw slightly worse than them, and you get magic. That's fine, too. Um, but overall, I think the the whole testing experience was really good. You know, I had a lot of help from people. I had felt very prepared for the tournament, so that was awesome. And I think at the end of the day, it just, you know, magic happened, and that's just, just something that happens with the game. It's kind of, you can't always control everything. You can't win every match, and it wasn't fortunate. It just wasn't my time to do well at this tournament. Um Going, if I were, was able to do the whole tournament again, I probably would either stick with the same deck or maybe play like a, a control deck or something like that. That I thought would might have been good, but um, with all the testing I'd done, I'd felt really good with the deck. You know, that's the question I have for you, Sean, is that you, you've mm -hmm. given a lot of reasons of why you didn't do well. You, you know, this happened, this happened. You gave a lot of reasons of why you thought you would do well. You, mm -hmm. This happened, I did this, and I did this. And so my question to you is, what was the most relevant reason why you didn't perform well? Was it because of the last-minute changes of the deck because of the banning of Oko? Was it because of maybe your sideboard didn't adjust the way you want to? Was it because even though you felt prepared, you were actually ill-prepared for the event? Or was it because of a bad draw? You just ran into the two decks that actually were, uh, you know, uh, unfavored for your deck. Um, I would probably say it's a little column A, column B for the most part, with both being the deck choice I had made left me open to two weaknesses that I knew were going to be at this tournament. And then just, you know, of course, rolling into those matchups, both Infect and Mono Red Prowess, which are my two bad matchups. Um, so knowing that I probably should have switched decks, but I just didn't feel confident enough to switch decks. So probably both those things attributed to uh, my 
I, I mean, like, it wasn't a horrible day. I still had fun playing Magic with friends and stuff like that. But, I mean, obviously an 0-2 record at a PTQ was, like, not a great record. So um, I think both those things contributed the most to my poor performance in this tournament. What was the biggest thing you learned from this experience? Um, <laughs> the biggest thing I learned from this tournament... Um, Modern's a really tough format, and it's never really solved. And even if you prepare and prepare and prepare, like you still just play against decks that like you weren't prepared enough for, you know. And that's just modern in general. There's so many decks in modern that you can't cover all your bases. It's just too wide open of a format, I think, if you're gonna play a deck like. And maybe that's the way things go, right? You know, it's it's just the fact that sometimes. Uh, you run into a deck that you don't expect, or you run into at least, like, y you prep for all of the other decks, knowing that just this small percentage of decks is going to is is going to be unfavored for you. And sometimes that's just how the cards go. Yeah, I mean, like like we said, we knew going in it was going to, those are going to be our matchups, and we did our best to shore it up. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, you can't win every match. So that's okay. I mean... Like I said, I learned a lot in the tournament. Hawk helped a lot. So we learned a lot in testing. And going forward, I feel like we have a good system. So um, it was a good experience overall, obviously. I mean, obviously, I wish I had made the Pro Tour, but um, I still was able to learn a lot and take away a lot from the day. So it was a good week. It was a good day overall. Connor Hawk, when you heard the the news of how uh, Mr. Toolshed did for the weekend, what was your like initial impressions? Was your initial impressions like, oh, did he misplay with the deck? Or was it like, oh, we probably built it wrong? Or was it just, you know, you learned the decks that Sean was playing against and just went, well, that's how magic goes? Uh, I think it was mostly the last one. Um, we knew that, you know, the mono, the the burn deck was was a, a poor matchup, and... Um, he he had talked to me about the the fact that like infect wasn't a great matchup either we both know the player that was going to play the infect deck um so like we knew once that person was qualified that that was the deck that was going to show up so the the thing is it's just like he ran into like the one infect player and there's like and then we we felt pretty confident in like the burn mono red thing um but things have to go almost exactly according to plan for that matchup to work and the unfortunate thing is, is like they even w when things went like actually according to plan, they still have a small window where there's like a chance they can kill you. And that's just kind of what happened. So like it's just like the way that the it, it broke that day, unfortunately. Um, I think if like he had played like the other half of the tournament, we'd be talking a different story. Right. Um, and that that's just the way it works sometimes. And Sean kind of alluded to that with modern, you know, you can we can argue you know what's the best deck and what's you know what's the next best deck and so on and so forth but when you when with that format like there's so many decks that you could say you could bring to a tournament right like you will like if you went to a tournament you, there's no way that you could guess how many decks there were or you could guess like you know what's the most played one or even like that you know um now that oko's banned it's like it's back to the it's back to the you know like the they say like the wild west like you could play any deck next round um it, like it's just it's crazy yeah caroline you know you talked a, a a good amount about your experience with uh the competitive scene this past weekend uh which is a, which was a limited format and sometimes uh you open your packs and you just or or the cards get passed to you and it just doesn't end up, you know, either your colors don't end up the way you wanted it to or nothing. Like, you open up and you don't really get any bombs and things of that nature. Um, how, 
can you talk a little bit about the experience that you have about, especially working in the competitive limited formats, about how you evaluate when you come up short? Do you do you find yourself always going like, oh, I just didn't get the cards I needed, or um, I was in a bad spot in the drafting pool, or I just didn't play well? Uh, you know, you, you can always mix those things up between the two. Um, but how often do you evaluate the reasons why you lost with the ways you can improve? Yeah, I think that's something I've been trying to work on. Um, I try to avoid coming to, you know, a group of friends and say, oh, I lost this round. And then the first sentence or like second sentence involving the number of lands that were in play, whether it's lower or large. Um, I try to, you know, approach the conversation with like, oh, man, like. I really played really poorly this round, um, but I won. <laughs> or I really played poor, poorly this round and I lost. And then I, you know, like mana screw or bad bill or bad pools or, you know, an awkward draft are definitely factors, but I think, and so are bad matchups. Um, but I think it's important to try and avoid just defaulting to, oh, I went seven and two at this Grand Prix because I'm great, but I went oh three at this Grand Prix because my pool was bad. Um, I think you can either be one or the other. Like you can say, oh, I went seven and two at this Grand Prix because my pool was great. And I went, oh, three at this other Grand Prix because my pool was bad. If that's how you're evaluating all the time, you're evaluating based on cards, um, that's reasonable. It's not great, but it's okay. Um, and if you're, you know, the other way is like, oh, I went seven and two this weekend because I think I played really well, um, you know, and maybe had some bombs or had no bombs or whatever. Or, oh, I went oh three this weekend and I just like did not get a good night's sleep. I didn't really pay attention to any of my matches and I just played terribly. That's okay too. Like you need to evaluate the wins and the, and the losses the same. Um, so if you're evaluating bad matchups, then you need to you need to attribute your wins to the good matchups, if that makes sense. Uh, it's something I've been trying to just be more aware of and improve on in general. Other than the fact that I'm great. That's already established. Yes, no, we all know that. There was actually like an article that was written uh, back uh, like a while back, and I, I reference it a lot because I think it was like one of one of the articles that uh, helped me help explain kind of like um, something that I learned in poker. Um, but it was basically the um, the idea that you should eliminate all other possibilities of why something happened before attributing it to luck, right? And that like, and then as to like expand on it further, it's like, it's also not just necessarily in the game, right? So Sean and I are playing and, you know, we play a pretty decent game, but then I lose and it's like, it's like, well, or like taking Sean's example, I guess he played against two bad matchups. Does that mean that the deck was the wrong choice for that, for that week? Right. And like, that's, that, that's like one of the things it's not just like what his decisions were during the games, like how he he decided to mulligan, how he decided to sideboard, how he decided to play each each turn, but also was like if it was reasonable that he could switch decks, was it the correct play to switch decks? So like when we're like thinking about this as a whole, you should you have to think about like even the uh, the preparation as well, right? Um, and then if you can like eliminate that the preparation was correct, you can eliminate that the gameplay was correct, the sideboarding was correct, the mulligan decisions were correct. Then you can attribute to the luck, but there's so many hoops that you have to jump to to like to attribute to luck that it's rarely ever, if if ever, going to come up. So that's like something to like definitely like I, that has definitely helped me um, when I'm like when I'm like thinking about this type of stuff. Yeah, I mean it's absolutely true. My biggest thing for me is uh, I, I love being able, and this is the point where now I use like OBS, you know, open broadcasting software, 
um, to record uh, some of my sessions that I play uh, with Magic Arena is I will record myself playing the games, and then when I lose, uh, instead of tilting off of the face of the earth like I usually do, I can go back later on and watch those games uh, uh, you know, pretty objectively and then try to go turn by turn and say, okay, what did I do? What else could I have done? And then after that going, okay, well, there was at least one or two or three other decisions to go with. And then after all of that, watch the outcome of the game and say, okay, well, I lost this game because of you know, any of these three or four decisions, I could have done something different, or I lost the game because this really was a not favored matchup and, and I just didn't get the cards, or uh, I lost because uh, after, you know, eliminating every possibility I could find, I lost because they top decked the one card that could actually beat me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that too. And then also, like, if you end up keep coming back to like the same thing, where it's like, I keep flooding out, I keep flooding out, or I keep getting mana screwed, I keep getting mana screwed. It's like, maybe there's something wrong with your deck. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you don't have enough lands, maybe you don't have enough card selection to like filter, maybe you don't have like enough place to put that, put your mana. There's like a bunch of things too that that can also be it too. I like this, I like this. Let's save this for another podcast. We're, gonna, we're just going to title that podcast, What's Wrong With My Deck? That's what that's going to be. It's just going to be an entire thing about what is wrong with my deck? Because obviously, I'm playing perfect. Obviously, I'm the best Magic player ever. It's got to be the deck that's wrong. But seriously, that might be like the best thing to do is saying, hey, when to know when your deck doesn't go right. That might be something we save for a later cast. But the one thing I do want to know, we've, we've talked a lot about evaluating how we've played. We've talked a lot about the events that we've done, whether we've come up uh, exactly how we wanted to or we came up short. But we know that there's always something to learn in the game of Magic because it's so complex. But it's always a game to make sure that we are getting better. And that's what we love about it, right? It's how do we always make sure that we are getting better at it? How do we make sure that we are learning it? How do we make sure that we get lit, as we always love to say? So that's what I want to know is what we are doing to get better at Magic this week. And Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher, I want to start with you. What are you doing to get better at Magic this week? This week in Magic, I'm kind of like taking it easy, you know, coming off of the weekend where I had practiced a lot. I am just going to be like kind of watching the Pioneer format where, like I said, had mentioned before, I have an OCM tournament uh, next month I want to get ready for. <laughs> so I'm going to be paying attention to the Pioneer tournaments over the weekend. I'm not really going to be playing too much Magic. Um, I don't want to get burnt out. You know, Magic is a tough game. Uh, so I'll probably be like playing maybe a couple of leagues or something like that with some pi different pioneer decks but uh definitely nothing too intense this week outside of just paying attention to pioneer nice caroline cavanaugh the bilinguini what are you going to do to get better at magic this week um so i have been playing a lot of pioneer i've got the gp uh so i'm excited to just get into the format a little bit i also have i haven't actually <laughs> I, technically i'm not doing this anymore but i wanted to mention it because like a big goal of mine but i believe i can officially say that i will make the mythic top 1200 this month i was 300th this morning when i checked and there's two days remaining and i was 150 last like when we recorded last week so i've only fallen 150 spots in, in a week so i should be fine in the last two days fingers crossed uh which is really exciting it's the first time that i've ever made the top 1200 um <laughs> but it's a little annoying because I believe this month doesn't actually qualify for anything other than the mythic than the challenger points thing or like it's it's not an MIQ which is really annoying 
Um, Don't sell yourself short, though. I it's mean, it's just uh, unfortunate let's, let's timing. This is the one month of the whole but, last twelve months where but, you don't qualify for an MIQ. I, I of all That's people, so am not going to let you let you sell yourself short. All right, finishing in the top twelve hundred of Mythic like, is insane. Why did they just not make January count? Anyway, it's, and then I'm going to a legacy tournament on Saturday. I'm playing Goblinos. I'm very excited. Goblinos. What are goblinos for those of us who are not legacy inclined? Goblins. <laughs> yeah. But plus what? What makes it the linos? Are they Spanish Nothing. goblins? I just like to say goblinos. Oh, I thought they were just, like I thought they were like goblins plus a little weird. Spanish flair or something. So sort of like, oh yes, no, they're not goblins. They're goblinos. <laughs> they're goblinos. That's what I call them. They're all my little Why not ant? I said, but why not ant? But goblinos. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's like a twenty-five dollar local tournament. I think they, I read it today that proxies are allowed. And I don't know if this, the two parts of the website I felt were written by two different people. So I'm not sure this is true, but I read a really weird statement that up to 10 proxies are allowed. But then on a different page, I read that only five proxies are allowed. And then you can buy five more proxy slots. I've seen tournaments like that. Like so, it's kind of, it's kind of wild. Buying, I'm not, I'm, I have the Goblino stack. I'm not buying any buying proxies. Buying proxy just, slots? Yeah, yeah. So the idea is like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to spend, you know, $13,000 on a Black Lotus or anything. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't just proxy the whole 75. Like, the hell I can't. You just I believe wait. It's to, improve, <laughs> it's to improve the mana base. It's Often the things that are choking points in Legacy are the mana bases. The the um, the duels are just really expensive. So Screw. this is where I imagine would be the most proxied card. Screw in that. Legacy no, no. I'm going to show up, not even with, like, card sleeves. I'm going to show up it with a bunch 10. of, like, old it pieces of 10. paper. I'm going to show up with, like, carbon paper. I'm going to draw my own cards and make my own proxies, and I'm going to show up being like, this is what I'm playing with. Right? And I'm going to be like, I don't know this person. We have I, matching sweaters, I, but it is a coincidence. <laughs> I'm going to look over and be like, hey, Caroline, Caroline, we have galaxy hoodies. Look at this. Uh, yeah. And then uh, I'm going to say, name is Carline. Ah, K-A-R-L-I-N-E. We're legacy buddies. We're legacy buddies. Dude, if I you showed remember. up at my local store in Denver, I would be so hyped. <laughs> I actually remember there was a vintage tournament that had proxies allowed in it. And one of my buddies who was upset that he like couldn't proxy anything because he owned his old deck. Um, I guess like slightly humble brags there. But uh, he couldn't find a uh, a black bordered um, um, like the Mirage mystical tutor so he, he felt like a white bordered one and then he just like wrote black bordered on it and then put it in his deck <laughs> so it was like that was his one proxy yeah. I, I wish i could find those uh those uh commercials that are all about getting out of college loan debt which you know it's always like upstart or whatever it is uh and it's always just being like guess what i'm now out of deck because i've done these things i want to see the same thing from the same company except instead it's like a guy riding a bicycle and he's like on his instagram it's like guess what i bought my first legacy deck because thanks to all the loans i just took out and i can finally afford it yeah i mean that's basically correct now right it's like buying a house or at least a car all right well i'm gonna go put a down payment on some of the cards that i might play if i ever play legacy or vintage here going forward uh but what i'm not gonna pay for is the delightful company of this podcast because we do it for free because we love all of our tens of listeners i feel like you struggled i i'm sorry i think that was a that was not a success that was a stretch yeah (laughs) you you were like oh shoot i'm out of ideas and then F- I, was it. I don't care. Thing, but I saw Caroline like winding <gasps> up. Oh, 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 o
Uncle in the house. Yeah, yeah, I'm using that one up. That's what I'm doing. I get to use it this time, okay? You try to come up with transitions like I do. I love that we praise all of your transitions, but as soon as they're sh- we're like, boo, Brasky. And then I get really self-conscious, like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't know I how much work it. I put into this. You should see my whiteboard. I get, <laughs> it has so many ideas. I get nothing done at my actual job. My one note is just filled with transition ideas. So speaking of Oko, his time is done in uh, many of the formats, and so is our time here at the Fam Podcast. <laughs> Damn, Brasky's fired. <laughs> Dang, hockey coming in clutch. Wait, but you didn't do the whole paragraph thing yet. Oh, I was going to leave that to Brasky. That guy, no, that you guy fired can't him. Steal all the yeah, thunder. I think it's your job now. He's not even in the camera anymore. He walked out. Hello, everyone. This is a pre recorded message from Brasky. In this pre recorded message, I want to let you know that I've been fired by the rest of my castmates. <laughs> in the Fam Friends and Magic podcast. They might be laughing in the background, but leave no mistake, this is recorded separately from the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I want to be sure that everyone knows that I leave on no ill will or any other terms. As much as Caroline really likes to laugh here. about it, this is a very serious matter. And I want Brasky, to make sure... don't leave us. We'll, we'll never be able to do it. We need our Christopher Robin. Per the term... <laughs> For, per the terms no of my Robin, agreement, just all disappear, right? We need our Christopher Robin. Per the terms of my agreement, I've uh, explained that I will come back based upon the begging of at least one or more of my co-hosts. Now that we have met those standards, I will come back to Fam, Friends, and Magic here in five, four, three, two, one. Well, you guys are great. This has been fantastic. This is just the greatest podcast ever. That was some dedication. I just want to give that to you. That was oh, like a no. nice standing ovation, <laughs> 10 out of 10. That was dedication. Never underestimate my commitment for a bit. <laughs> Wait, what thing? A bit, huh? this thing, this a thing. Bit. I I a stayed bit. I stayed with this joke for as long as I possibly can. Wait, I, I thought that was a pre-recorded, that was a, a post-recorded message. It actually. was. I, re- I literally recorded it weeks ago. <laughs> then how did we listen to it? Exactly. Okay, can we wrap this? I got a pioneer to play. You got... <laughs> Okay, well, because everyone else is busy, let's find out where everyone is going to be doing all their magic content and otherwise, if they're going to be playing some other types of games of cards and so forth. So let's start with Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on the old uh, Twitterverse, at Mr. Toolshed, and at twitch.tv slash Mr. Toolshed, randomly streaming different video games, whether it's Magic, you know, Slay the Spire, whatever. Come hang out. It's been popping off recently. Come give me a hand. It'll be fun. We'll talk about bad blue-white decks. Bye. I like it. I like it. Anywhere that I can find blue-white decks, I'm going to be attending. Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at Conan Hawk. Uh, you can also find me Monday through Friday most weeks. Uh, every once in a while, I'll be traveling, but uh, 10.30 a.m. Central Time uh, to 4.30 p.m. Central Time uh, at twitch.tv slash Conan Hawk. Fabulous. And Caroline Cavanaugh, the Mighty Linguini, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini, M-I-G-H-T 
Y-L-I-N-G-U-I-N-E. And you can tag me in tweets instead of not listening to this part of the podcast and not tagging me in tweets. That'd be great. Thanks. You can find me on Instagram at The Mighty Linguini. And you can find me on twitch.tv slash The Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays or Thursdays. I always have a magic guest, but we don't always play magic. Fabulous. And of course, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Brasky1142. And that's going to do it for us this week, and we will be back next week. And as always, we hope to see you there. So make sure to like and subscribe and leave a review. Hopefully it's five stars, but just let us know how we're doing on whatever platform you use. Of course, you can always find us in anything that we do with the Swagoy family at www swagoi.com s-w-a-g-o-i that's going to do it for this week and we will see you all next week have a wonderful week everybody bye I was bye. Yes. bye I was last too <laughs> <laughs>